0: Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Thank you guys for joining us. Yes, many thanks. Um, oh, you guys, this this week, this past month, I don't I you know, I we're starting off rough trying to get this conversation going. We yeah. know where to even begin and how to empathize and yeah it's it's maybe step in at any
0: point (laughs) this is a extremely rough year and week and month and here's the thing in light of everything that's been happening especially the murder of george floyd and many other black people um we decided that we should actually speak up About the topic of racism and particularly racism in the Mormon Church, Um, we've been wanting to cover this topic since the very beginning, since our first episode, right, Sarah? We were like, we. This is a huge problem, uh, not only in the world but also in Mormonism. Yet we are both white, as you probably know. So we didn't feel like we should speak over Black people. but So that's why we haven't talked about it in detail. I mean, we've mentioned it. We've had some amazing people write in about their experiences with racism. But we haven't done a deep dive because we didn't want to come off as insensitive. But um, considering everything that's happening, uh, I think both Sarah and I thought we should use our platform to speak up. And we want to be extremely, extremely clear that we aren't speaking for black people or indigenous people or people of color. We want to just speak up and point out the problems of racism, particularly in what we know, which is the Mormon church, and shed light on it and show solidarity in any way that we can. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add,
1: Sarah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing yeah. is, is Katie and I, as she's mentioned, we wanted to do this episode from the very beginning, and it was something we were very passionate about, and we, but we also wanted to be sensitive, and we, we didn't want to come across as like, oh, we're two white girls who have this platform, and um, this podcast and so we can speak about everything about Mormonism including racism when in reality that's not something that we've ever experienced in our lives ever and yeah. it's a hardship it's a daily constant struggle for many many people and it's not something that we can speak to we can relate to and we just didn't want to come across as insensitive or you know the opposite of being anti-racist in the fact that we're just pretending oh sorry guys that was uh my phone going off in the middle of this um pretending that we can relate in any way and just again coming across as if we're speaking for black people we're speaking on behalf we are you know once again making a point that like oh you know listen to us because we are white and we have a platform and we can you know we we just really wanted it to come from a place where we could talk about racism within the Mormon doctrine, but not come across as us speaking as if we're experts, as if we've ever experienced something and we haven't. And that's why we we've waited for so long to do an episode because we really felt it was important to have um, someone who's gone through that, a black person or a person of color who has experienced racism in the church, to be in this episode um, where we discuss it. However, with the current events and Katie and I have been very proactive in our stance of being anti-racist and wanting to be allies and showing our support in any way that we can and speaking out and and saying the things that are uncomfortable for a lot of white people. Um, I mean, I'm sure ourselves included in that. There's been moments for me where, of course, I am like, yeah, yeah I want to speak out, but maybe one person might be offended that I say that. And it was that moment of because I'm uncomfortable as a white person speaking out against the brutality and injustices that black people experience on a daily, that's mm-hmm. bullshit. And I need to just get, you know, get over that shit real quick. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we just really felt it was important that we at least talk about it, use our platform to bring awareness to it. And we're not, we didn't want to publish an episode this week discussing another topic because we felt like that was incredibly dismissive and all of the content that's going out this week and in the near future should be really focused on the current events that are happening and helping in any way that we can to help get this cause even more awareness and hopefully hopefully a change a positive outcome from all of this so with all that, Katie and I just want to be a thousand percent clear and transparent and that we aren't speaking on behalf of black people and their struggles. And as Katie and I talked about before this episode, we were both just so passionate and so upset from personal experiences that we have encountered with this whole a horrible situation that's happening in the U S that's again, it's been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yet now it's come to light because people are recording it and we're seeing it and we're forced to see it. You can't look away from this shit. You can't pretend like you don't see it. Um, and we're, you know, feeling this gut wrenching sadness and devastation. And Katie and I talked about this. We're only feeling it as people who are, are hearing these stories, are seeing them, but we've never experienced it. And to imagine that amount of emotion and fear and sadness and just disappointment and outrage and anger, we can't wrap our heads around it because we are only experiencing this level, which for us is like intense and we're, you know, so upset by everything, but we're not even experiencing it on the daily you know, we're we just living through what we see on the news, what we're hearing from our Black friends and community, and we're not experiencing it. And so we just want to really, again, if, you know, you guys are tired of hearing about this, then don't listen to our podcast. Don't don't follow our page, because this is something we're really passionate about, and um, we want to be allies in any way we can, while also being respectable and Um, Sorry, not (laughs) respectful, respectful and sensitive. (laughs) And at any point in this episode, if either of us say something that is insensitive, that is factually inaccurate or that is not politically correct or that is anything offensive in any way, let us know. We know it's not your job. It's not your responsibility, especially in the black community, to continuously educate white people on racist things or insensitive topics or, you know, having to explain anything to us. But we we do want to make a point that if we say something, we want to be corrected and we want to learn and we we don't want to say or do the wrong things that are going to hurt the progress that is hopefully going to be made.
0: Exactly. I I, yeah, 100 percent. I yeah, I wanted to reiterate as well that if listeners, if you really want to learn more about racism and how you can be better and how it's affecting the, the black community and the, you know, the world around us, then you should listen to black people, um, listen to indigenous people, but don't expect them to educate you. Exactly. You need to do the research yourself. So we, Sarah and I, as these <laughs> white women podcasters, what we're gonna do is we hope that we can describe to you the factual, the facts that we can find in the Mormon doctrine and in Mormon history about racism. And we, again, really just want to make sure that you all know that we are coming from this with the most pure intention that we can. We are not trying to take over the voice of others, and we're not trying to do any sort of, like, performative, Allyship or showboating in any way. No, so anything no. that we say, anything that we say that's wrong, feel free to correct us, or feel free to just tell us to fuck off. We don't care. Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, our our intentions are to uplift the voices of those that have been in pain for so long, and the institution of Mormonism has just perpetuated that pain. So mm. that's where we're coming from. Hopefully, hopefully that came across as such. Exactly. And,
1: and at the end of the episode as well, we will go through a list of resources that you can utilize to help in this situation or in any way that you can help. Um, so yeah. And, and as Katie said, like, don't, don't expect black people are already going through so much shit right now. You guys, the last thing they wanted to hear is a white person messaging them and saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're going through this, but hey, do you have any like books and stuff you can recommend that we just just fucking Google it. We live in a time where there's <laughs> internet. You can Google resources. You can see your everyone's intelligent enough to know if it's a credited source, if it's valid. Just do the research yourself, okay? Yeah. I mean, we w- at this moment just need to be supportive and you know help in any way we can to take that burden from the black community instead of just constantly asking them to, you know, help us when we need they've been doing that for hundreds of years. We need to help them. Uh, Yeah,
0: we are lucky enough that we have some amazing followers and listeners that sent us some stories about their experiences that we can share. Uh, And we also have an interview scheduled with a ex-Mormon person of color that will be uh, edited in to this episode. So we'll have that voice as well. So Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to get into it, Sarah? Yeah, let's do it. Whew. Okay. So I think um, we can start with scripture because in Mormonism, the scriptures are the end-all be-all, right? Like the Book of Mormon, they say, is the the foundation of their church. Exactly. And Joseph Smith wrote, this book so these thoughts and ideologies come straight from him and they reveal quite a systematic and intentional policy of like racial discrimination that's in the scripture and totally endorsed even now because it's scripture it's quote-unquote holy um so in the I, book, sorry,
1: just one thing to jump in there on that part. Yeah, and this is from you guys. Yeah, it's painful to admit and it's uncomfortable, and that's why I think it's important to say it but from a very white privileged woman to say this. Like I, I never really realized the issue with the scriptures until several years later, because oh, when you read okay. it from a white perspective like i did it was just like oh yeah you know there you go and it it took you know a few years to be like oh shit like that's very problematic like that's very racist like that's but i can't even imagine a person of color reading the scriptures mm-hmm. in the mormon church and not instantly recognizing that
0: oh yeah 100 percent. that was me too i didn't give it two single thoughts i was like well that's just it like And that, like you said, shows the absolute privilege we had of not feeling that sorrow. You know, we we didn't have that. So in the Book of Mormon, um, I'm sure most of you know, but if you've never been Mormon or haven't listened to previous episodes, it describes the, they're the Nephites and the Lamanites. They're these two different tribes that supposedly lived in the Americas, long ago anyway they were originally all white and then the lamanites sinned and became wicked and because of that god cursed them with dark skin so that is like the foundation of of the book and that is what they believe to be absolutely holy um I will read just so we're perfectly clear that I'm not making this up. I'm going to read the scripture from the book of Mormon that says this. Well, one of them, there are many, but in second Nephi chapter five, verse 21, it says, and he had caused the cursing to come upon them. yea, Even a sore cursing because of their iniquity for behold, they had hardened their hearts against him that they had become like unto, to a flint. Wherefore, as they were white and exceedingly fair and delightsome, that they might not be enticing to my people, the Lord God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, that I mean, that says it all. But uh, according to Jadog and supposedly God, um, they cursed the Lamanites to have dark skin so that they wouldn't look appealing to the Nephites, and therefore they wouldn't in have children and you know, intermarry and all that. So ugh, I feel yeah. gross saying this stuff out loud. I do do. Really it makes good. me feel ugh. Ugh. So there's that. And then there's also their their other scripture that's called the Pearl of Great Price. Uh in that there it's taught that black people or black men I guess were denied the priesthood because they were of the lineage of Cain, who was Uh, God cursed him with black skin because he killed his brother Abel, Cain and Abel in the Bible. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Um. And it was also taught that people were born black and like in that black lineage because they were less valiant in the pre-existence. So I guess if I need to clarify that a little bit for people who don't know, the uh, Mormons believe that before you come to earth, you live in something called the preexistence, like, a uh, like spirit world kind of thing. And way back before it all began, there was a war in heaven and, um, I get like Jesus versus Satan about whose plan was going to be the one that brought was brought to the earth. And the people who followed Satan were cast out into outer darkness or the souls, I guess. And then the souls who followed Jesus were, white and born to white families. And then the people who were what they called fence sitters who didn't follow either Satan or Jesus were um, cursed because they were less valiant and they were sent to earth with darker skin so that the white people would know who was not as righteous in the previous life. This is all new to me. I've never heard of this. Really? No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was taught for a very long time in the church. Wow.
1: I didn't even know that there was this whole, you could sit on the fence, like during the the war on heaven type thing where the host of heaven, a third of the hosts of heaven followed Lucifer and then the rest you stayed. I didn't know there was like a, a middle area, like a gray yeah. area. Yeah.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah, they don't teach that anymore. They kind of just sleep that under the rug. Um, and they don't apologize. This is going to be a common theme. No, they will not apologize. Yeah. No.
1: The, the church leaders never apologize for anything racist because if they apologize, they're admitting that their prophets aren't receiving revelation from God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the book of Abraham, which is, um, we've talked about it before, it's all, it's all made up. It's all crap, but they consider it to be scripture the book of abraham um it it says that like descendants are ha- of ham are cursed with blackness and can't hold the priesthood so that's why up until 1978 which we will get into black men could not hold the priesthood because it was it said so in the scriptures and uh It also says here, they also named, Joseph Smith named another book in the Pearl of Great Price Moses. He's just a copier, but in uh, (laughs) Moses chapter 7, verse 8, it reads... For behold, the Lord shall curse the land with much heat, and the barrenness thereof shall go forth forever. And there was a blackness came upon the children of Canaan, and they were despised among all people. And Enoch also beheld the residue of which of the people which were the sons of Adam. They were a mixture of all the seed of Adam, save it was the seed of Cain. For the seed of Cain were black and had no place among them. So, yeah, the, the, the scriptures in the Book of Mormon are basically referring to Native Americans and indigenous peoples of the Americas. And then here in the Pearl of Great Price, it's referring to Black people being cursed and not as righteous. So it's like, it's right there in their scriptures that they still believe are holy. They still read these and they don't denounce this. It's still very much a thing that's in their scriptures.
1: And it's also, isn't there a scripture somewhere and maybe... You'll, you'll get to it or <laughs> maybe you've already said it and I've just completely spaced out. But where it talks about like members of the church being white and delightsome or like yeah. pure and delight, something like that.
0: Yeah, um, that's also and I believe it's in Second Nephi. I don't have it in my notes, but yeah, um, it says that the Nephites are white and delightsome and the Lamanites are dark skinned and wicked. And yeah. It, yeah, and it claims that um, if the Lamanites repent and fought like denounce their heathen gods and follow the Mormon Jesus, that their skin will become white and delightsome. They they changed the word white to pure in 1981. So what? it's it, yeah, that the book that's supposedly so perfect and the most true book on earth. Yeah, they edited it and changed the word white to pure. Um, but it was still taught very often, especially in like Native American, uh, congregations and stuff that the more righteous you were, the wider your skin would be. Oh, so, Lord. oh God, I feel like a pit in my stomach right now. I just feel so disgusted <laughs> by all <Yeah>. of this.
1: <laughs> and um, the fact
0: that like, we
1: believed it so long. I mean, me longer than you, it's like the fact that. Uh, yeah I just yeah. can't believe that I supported and paid into a church into an institute that has such racist beliefs and doctrine
0: mm-hmm. sickening
1: when you think about it like all of that money that went to tithing could have gone to a charity that actually benefits people around the
0: world and even uh-huh. more
1: so right now this situation like that's oh. it's sickening
0: it really is like you're the money we gave and you gave way more than I did it's Probably just sitting in that hundred billion dollar fund they have and not doing anything good. Oh, I know, makes me want now to Oh, They're barf. just spreading racism continuously. That's that's right. where that money is going to, right? So, even in like current children's books about the Book of Mormon, it clearly states this racism. This is a direct quote from the children's book about um, the Book of Mormon, and this is also online on the LDS website. It says Laman and Lemuel's followers called themselves Lamanites. They became dark a dark-skinned people. God cursed them because of their wickedness and it shows a photo of like the Nephites are these white dudes who just are like blonde and look like us. And oh. then and then there's darker like Native American looking people that are the Lamanites that are wicked. Oh so my god! Teaching them teaching them racism young.
1: Well, and even all of the the fucking church videos, it's like yeah. mm-hmm. white people are the Nephites that are playing them, and it's so factually and it just it's crazy that I believe that shit. But then they have like for the I'm doing air quotes the Lamanites, the dark skinned wicked Lamanites. They just have white actors who are painted brown. Yep. It's horrendous, you guys. And that's not, like, we're not talking about movies from the 90s. We're talking about movies in the 2000s. Oh, yeah. that were made. Yeah. It's like a recent thing, and they just think that's totally acceptable to do.
0: Good Lord. Um, So, yeah, that's that's their scriptures. And I thought it would just be good to point out that, you know, I guess Mormonism likes to change. They always change way too late. But the, I think the reason that they've never changed any of those I mean they changed the word white to pure but they haven't t- taken out the the doctrine of the curse of the dark skin because if they take that out then it's basically admitting that Joseph Smith wasn't a real prophet and the book of mormon isn't actually real so they can't they have to leave it in there and they don't apologize like you said yeah and it's just it's just what it is yet they it, any mormon you ask will say i'm not racist but you believe in a book that is fundamentally racist. You give money to this, the, and this religion that perpetuates this idea that being white is somehow more pure or righteous or whatever. So, and
1: and that was a big reason why, I mean, a huge reason why I left because I, I couldn't consciously say I'm not racist or I'm, you know, I, I want, to move forward with change and progress and, you know, have more equality and da- da. I couldn't do that while also saying, I believed in the book of Mormon. Right. And that right. I supported this church. It, it mm-hmm. was that it was the same with, you know, sexism. I was like, I can't say I'm against sexism and believe in the church. I can't say I support LGBTQ communities. And be in this church. It was yeah. like those three pillars. The biggest most important. You know changes that we can make. Going forward on this earth. As, as humans. Like, it, And yet you want to believe. And support a church. That is against that. It's like yeah. constant polar opposites. <laughs> and it's conflicting. And it's like what. You can't be both. And again we've had episode after episode on this. But you cannot be a progressive Mormon. Full no. stop Period. Nothing more. You cannot say, as Katie just said, you are anti racist if you are fully supporting the Mormon church and the Mormon doctrine. You cannot say that you are feminist if you are in the Mormon church. You cannot say that you are, you know, pro LGBTQ rights and human rights while being in the Mormon church.
0: Yeah. I I mean,
1: send me hate emails all you want. I'm going to still say that all day long.
0: Yeah. If you're honest, and you really take the time to be uncomfortable and evaluate, you you can't honestly say that you're any of those things, and also a believing, tithe-paying Mormon. Exactly. They, it doesn't work together. Yeah, okay, so we're going to get into some some racist quotes by leaders of the church. These men were... And still are revered by Mormons as literally prophets and called of God. They claimed that they were led by God, could speak to him. They were the mouthpiece of God on the earth. So we'll see how much of a racist asshole God is, I guess, here. (laughs) Um, And these, so these quotes I'm going to mention, they, and the scriptures we just referenced, they are like some of the reasons why black men couldn't hold the priesthood. So like black men uh, couldn't do any type of performing, uh, like what, what am I trying to say? They couldn't perform any or, blessing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, black families couldn't get sealed in the temple, um, because the black man didn't have the priesthood. So that meant that black people can't get into the highest level of heaven because you need to be sealed in the temple to get to the highest level of heaven. Um, So yeah, if you needed, if you were a black person in the church before 1978 and you wanted like a blessing or to get baptized or anything, it couldn't be done by your black father. It had to have been done by a white man. So keep that in mind while we talk about all this. So I'm going kind of chronologically here. The first quote I have is from J-Dog himself. And I will say that from everything I could research is that Joseph Smith was not, I I mean, he was, he was racist. All right. But he wasn't as racist as the following prophets. So I will give him that. No, I'm not giving him it. He was still a racist.
1: (laughs) He's still racist. Yeah, no. I also read the same thing. I I read a few articles and I can share them with you later. We can post them on our story, but it was one in the New York Times, I think, and the another one in the Atlantic. Both of them are pretty dated, to be fair. Like, I think it was, like, 2012 and maybe 2015. But that's also what it was saying. Like, it, I didn't realize the severity and the differences of Brigham Young and Joseph Smith on that aspect. I actually thought they were about the same. I mean, I'm still not justifying or defending Joseph Smith in any way. I just thought it was the same level. Um but yeah so it doesn't like, should,
0: yeah i guess we should remember that joseph smith wrote the book of mormon which contains all of those racist scriptures so exactly. there's <laughs> that a racist piece of shit but <laughs> yeah um,
1: he wasn't near as bad as uh, brigham young or as outspoken maybe let's say outspoken because
0: right. that's, yeah that's a good way to put it i'm
1: sure he was just as bad but he just maybe didn't say as horrible shit in public as Brigham Young did and
0: acted on it, you know? Right, right. Okay, so I have one quote from from J-Dog. He said, Having learned with, with extreme regret that an article entitled Free People of Color in the last number of the star has been misunderstood, we feel in duty bound to state that our intention was not only to stop free people of color from emigrating to the state, but to prevent them from being admitted as members of the church. So I think he said that when they immigrated to Missouri, because in Missouri, slavery was still very popular and he wanted to gain members. And so he was like, yeah, I totally don't want black people to join. And oh he, he just conceded to that because he wanted more members and more money. Yuck. Oh, oh. Um, here's Brigham Young.
1: wolf. It's going to be so bad. You guys just go ahead and brace yourself.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, I only wrote I only put one Brigham Young quote because there's a lot of others from other people and I didn't want to spend too much time on it. But if you want to look it up, like there's hundreds of racist Brigham Young quotes. Uh, this one says, shall I tell you the law of God in regard to the African race? If the white man who belongs to the chosen seed mixes his blood with the seed of Cain, the penalty under the law of God is death upon the spot. This will always be so. (gasps) You guys,
1: I mean, there's so many fucking issues with this quote and, also, with the Mormon doctrine, I mean, they sit there and say that all prophets are true and they receive, you know, direct revelation and words from God. Well, I call bullshit on that because if that's the case, then God's a racist kind And I just, well, <laughs> we know that from the beginning. But, like, how can he sit there and have this revelation from God and then God decides to change his mind in 1978? Or whenever. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just complete bullshit. And it's just horrendous. Like it's terrible. And and it's still very much in the community and in the the brainwashing of Mormon doctrine. Maybe they don't explicitly say growing up or a bishop or whoever might not explicitly say, like, don't, you know, date someone outside your race, but it's heavily implied and it's it's still deeply embedded. Like I know From personal experience, friends who didn't want to marry a person of color, a white person didn't want to marry a person of color in the Mormon church because they didn't want to have mixed kids. They thought it was like a, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but it was basically like a sin or shame thing, like something that you did not do. And I will tell you, I mean, I'm sure I had those thoughts as a teenager as well. I may not have consciously recognize them but it was deeply embedded in the Mormon doctrine to think that to like as a white person you don't marry outside of your race which is just disgusting and fucking revolting and horrible
0: this well because this prophet quote-unquote Brigham Young said this and said that that is a sin and should be punished with death I mean and and the church still says that Brigham Young is and was a prophet. So by saying that, they are saying that his statements are valid. And they have universities for this man. Uh, So it's like, it's no wonder that that has seeped into everything that Mormons believe of, like, oh, yeah, probably shouldn't marry outside of your race. Like, we're not told that explicitly in Sunday school, but it's still kind of there, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Okay. So then John Taylor, who was the third prophet, said, After the flood, we were told that the curse had been pronounced upon Cain. It was continued through Ham's wife, as he had married a wife of that seed. And why did it pass through the flood? Because it was necessary that the devil should have representation upon the earth as well as God. Mm. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah. So I I guess at that time, people were wondering, during the flood, why didn't the seed of Cain go away and the curse go away? And this prophet's explanation was because there needed to be a representation of the devil on the earth, and that was black people.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, well, I you know what? We're an evil robot Satan bitch <laughs> club. I always get it wrong, I always get the order wrong. So I'm honored to have someone of color join the team as a as a Satan or whatever. Like join join the evil robot Satan club.
0: Join. I am so about being evil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting though. I can't believe and you know people at that time and 100% still now have that mentality where they really do think a person of color represents someone less than a white person or is inherently evil
0: somehow uh-huh. like it's oh. it's it's a horrible problem that is very real yeah. I'll just say that um Joseph Joseph Fielding Smith said Not only was Cain called upon to suffer, but because of his his wickedness, he became the father of an inferior race. (gasps) A curse placed upon him, and that curse has been continued through his lineage and must do so while time endures. Millions of souls have come into this world cursed with black skin and have been denied the privilege of priesthood and the fullness of the blessings of the gospel. These are the descendants of Cain. Moreover, they have been made to feel their inferiority and have been separated from the rest of mankind from the beginning. We hope blessings may eventually be given to our. Okay, he says a word here that I'm just going to say I'm not saying this word. But I'm going to leave it as it is for the quote. So, okay. That we hope that blessings may eventually be given to our Negro brethren, for they are our brethren, children of God, notwithstanding their black skin, which are their black skin covering that which is emblematical of eternal darkness.
1: Oh, My God, fuck this person so much. Fuck this prophet, the horrible person that you're saying that their skin represents outer darkness. Like, Mm
0: -hmm. oh, Mm -hmm. he continues to say there is a reason why one man is born black with other disadvantages, while another is born white with great advantages. The reason is that once we had an estate before we came here, we were obedient to the laws that were given us there. And those who were faithful in all things there received greater blessings here. And those who were not faithful receive less. So I just my mouth is on the floor. Like my job is that's white supremacy if I've ever heard it. Yes. Uh, If you still if Mormons, if if you're listening, if you still think that this man is a prophet of God and you sing his name in that in that primary song about how follow the prophet they're so great if you think this man was a true apostle you're endorsing a white supremacist yeah that is white supremacy like to a t that white people are just inherently better and get they they deserve a better life i just and that they were so born racist. because
1: mm-hmm. of a past life that they're born white as a blessing like mm-hmm fuck the right off like I just can't Katie I can't no
0: and that's why you guys I know this will be a long episode but I'm sorry I'm not cutting these out just because I feel like it's really important to show the severity of this so
1: stick with especially for those in the back who can't hear let's keep going and saying especially those who are still active in the Mormon church who are also out there posting shit on social media about being anti-racist and you know black lives matter and and really to me it's so dismissive when i see these posts because i think just two days ago they're posting about a prophet i'm doing air quotes a prophet of god in the lds church and supporting a doctrine an organization that has this as its
0: foundation yep bullshit i just cannot Yeah, if you there's no way you can be anti-racist if you still think that these men were prophets. You just can't. Okay, Okay, so I'm going to read a quote from Apostle Bruce R. McConkie. And again, I want to say he uses that word that I'm very uncomfortable with, but I'm just checking my uncomfortability aside. And I know that this word is problematic, but I'm going to say it because it's in the quote. So, again, not me saying it. It's him. He says, Negroes in this life are denied the priesthood. Under no circumstances can they hold this delegation of authority from the almighty. The gospel message of salvation is not carried to them. Negroes are not equal with other races where the receipt of certain spiritual blessings are concerned, particularly the priesthood and the temple blessings that from there but this inequality is not of man's origin it is the lord's doing it is based on his eternal laws of justice and it grows out of the lack of spiritual valiance of those concerned in their first estate
1: Lord, so I have-
0: legitimate tears in my eyes like i just
1: can't get over it. it's appalling it's disgusting it's so hateful
0: and it's, that um, that man that wasn't even really at the very beginning. Bruce R. McConkie was alive in the '70s, so these are getting like, more more recent. 70. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the '70s. Uh, wow. Like yeah. Okay, this one um, is a bit long, but just gonna read it. Okay, Mark E. Peterson, another um, dominant or big time like Mormon apostle, said. The reason that one would lose his blessings by marrying a Negro is due to the restriction placed upon them. No person having the least particle of Negro blood can hold the priesthood. It does not matter if they are one-sixth or one-hundredth and sixth. The curse of no priesthood is the same. To intermarry with a Negro is to forfeit a nation of priesthood holders. I think I have read enough to give you an idea of what the Negro is after. He is not just seeking the opportunity of sitting down in a cafe where white people eat. He isn't just trying to ride the same streetcar or the same Pullman car with white people. It isn't that he just desires to go to the same theater as white people. From this and other interviews I have read, it appears that the Negro seeks absorption with the white race. He will not be satisfied until he achieves it by intermarriage. This is his objective, and we must face it. We must not allow our feelings to carry us away, and we must not feel sorry for Negroes, and we must not open our arms and embrace them with everything. Remember the little statement that we say about sin. First we pity, then we endure, and then we embrace. Sound familiar?
1: I, I don't even have anything else. That's My like, voice
0: is, like, shaking. Here, I'll just keep going. I'll just get through this. I'm sorry, but when was that said? Um, This one is, I believe, in 1955. Um, He says, Now we are generous with the Negro. We are willing that the Negro have the highest education. I would be willing to let every Negro drive a Cadillac if they could afford it. I would be willing... Yeah, I would be willing that they have all the advantages they can get out of life, but let them enjoy these things among themselves. The Lord segregated the Negro, and who is man to change that segregation? It reminds me of the scripture on marriage. What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Only here we have the reverse of that. What God hath separated, let not man bring together again. Think of the Negro cursed as to the priesthood who in the pre-existence lived the type of life which justified the Lord in sending him to the earth in the lineage of Cain with black skin and possibly being born in darkest Africa. If that Negro is willing when he hears the gospel to accept it, he may have many of the blessings of the gospel." In spite of all he did in the pre-existent life, if the Lord is willing, the Negro can accept the gospel with sincere faith and is really converted. We can give him the blessings of baptism. But if that and if that Negro is faithful all his days, he can enter the celestial kingdom. He will go there as a servant, but he will get celestial glory. Oh, God. I'm, so, yeah, taught, teaching that I guess you can go to the celestial kingdom, but you'll go there as a servant. That's fucking mental, you guys. Oh uh, fuck. Okay, that was all of the quotes I could handle. So that's the quote. Um, I have a little bit of information about Mormonism and slavery. Um, so, whoo, sorry, trying to re- regather myself. Um, oh. so initially, um, since Mormonism. Began in the north, um, they it, most Mormons were opposed to slavery, but when the Mormons traveled to Missouri, it caused contention because Missouri was, you know, like a southern state, and so then the Mor- Mormonism and Joseph Smith started justifying slavery, um, and during this time, slave owners joined the church and brought their slaves with them, um, and so. Because of this, as the mayor of Nauvoo, Joseph Smith prohibited black people from holding office, joining the Nauvoo Legion, voting or marrying white people. Wow. So, yeah. And um, some slave of, some slave owners brought their slaves with them to Utah. Um, Brigham Young began teaching that slavery was ordained of God in Utah. And um, yeah, he held... He held slaves, and many of the early apostles held slaves, and the members uh, bought and sold slaves as property and gave the church slaves as tithing. Wow. There's a article. The
1: bone of Mormon doctrine yeah. built with tithing that was
0: humans. Yeah. Humans, servants, slaves, like, disgusting. Um, so Brigham Young was interviewed by Horace Greeley for the New York Tribune about slavery. Um, he, uh, the Horace Greenley, or Greeley asked, what's the position of your church with respect to slavery? Brigham Young said, we consider it of divine institution and not to be abolished until the cursed pronounced upon Ham shall have been removed from his descendants. Uh, Greeley asked, Are there slaves now held in this Utah territory? And Brigham Young said, Yes, there are. Horace Greeley asked, Do your territorial laws uphold slavery? And Brigham Young said, Yes, those laws are printed. You can read for yourself. If slaves are brought here by those who own them in the, the states, we do not favor their escape from the service of their owners. So, pretty clear, they were very pro slavery. So, if anyone, if any Mormons tell you, like, no, we never, Whenever we're pro-slavery, they for sure were. Which is bullshit. I was told that. Yeah. Oh, me too. And they would
1: say, like, oh, Joseph Smith didn't have slaves, and in fact, he like, you know, there's that classic story of how he helped a slave woman, like, basically, like, I don't even know how they say it, but some, of course, they do, like, the white savior complex and Mm -hmm. whitewash the story so that you're like, oh, Joseph Smith was so progressive, and like, he, you know, fought the battle and, you know, was ahead of the times. But that's not the case at all. It's just them, again, focusing on one tiny small part of it <laughs> and amplifying it and being like, look what he did, which is not true.
0: Yeah, because, I, you know, it's, I guess it's true that Joseph Smith didn't own slaves, but he when they got to Missouri, he was all he didn't care if his members owned slaves and didn't allow them any other like liberties and then many other prophets after him did own slaves so it's like they 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 cherry pick that out of like look joseph smith didn't well exactly check out brigham young (laughs) yeah um i have a little segment here on segregation, because you'll often hear from Mormons that they're very proud that their churches were never segregated, but um, there's a letter that Apostle Delbert Stapley sent to Governor George Romney, and it's kind of long, so I'm not going to read it, but essentially he he says that, like, segregation should always be a thing because they, you shouldn't mix black and white people together, and... We've heard that over and over and over, like, don't intermarry, don't, blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, gross. Oh, All right. So um, now we're getting up to the time. So in 1978, we have mentioned that there was a, quote, unquote, revelation that Black men can now hold the priesthood. I have in my notes Spencer W. Fuckface Kimball. <laughs> <laughs> had a revelation that black men can now have the priesthood um it should be noted that the civil rights movement ended in 1968 so it was 10 whole years later after the rest of the country had ended like the civil rights movement had ended and the mormon church was the last like decently sized church to allow black priests which is something to know. They're always really behind, right? They're so behind the times. Exactly.
1: Always. But then, but then these progressive Mormons and not progressive Mormons like to pretend like the church is like so ahead of the times and like they were the ones putting the, the right foot forward, which is bullshit. That's never the case. <laughs>
0: no. They always have to be like nudged by society and the government to do the right thing. Um, okay so apparently god changed his mind in 1978 right well i thought it would be interesting to share some things that happened right before the 1978 revelation so let's see if it really was a revelation uh right before this colleges were boycotting uh athletic games against byu so Stanford and San Jose State University both refused to play BYU in any sport because of the racism of the Mormon Church. Uh, and we know that BYU loves its sporting programs and gets oh. a lot of money from that. So there's that. Uh, and under Wait, when
1: was that? Sorry, I didn't catch the year.
0: 19. It, this was early 1978. So right okay. before, right before the revelation. Okay, all right. Um, at that same time, um, under President Jimmy Carter, BYU was in danger of losing their tax exempt status uh, if the LDS Church continued to discriminate against Black people. The federal government was threatening to withhold federal student loans and funding to BYU if it practiced discrimination. Um, oh my God. So that's the only reason why they
1: <laughs> gave Black the. Yeah. People-
0: there was a really big possibility that the church educational system could have lost their tax exempt status and that would have cost them tens of millions of dollars, even in 1978. Wow. Uh, another thing is that um, they in 1978 they were building a temple in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, they had already built an area office, a distribution center, and were building the temple. The population in Brazil, uh, even at that time, had intermarried to an extent that most people had a bit of like black lineage in them. And it was basically everyone in Brazil. Um, And the church's stance at the time was that, you know, no one that had even a quote unquote drop of black blood like any type of black history you could not get the priesthood or go in the temple so basically no one could have gone into the temple unless they had made that had this revelation to allow it and allow people to pay them money and go into that temple into brazil so (laughs) it's so like
1: corrupt and just it's it's horrendous, and we're not talking about shit that was like hundreds of years ago, you guys. This is okay. within the last century.
0: Oh, this was 1978. Like, yeah, this was not even. This was yeah. I'm like trying to do the math. I'm like, this is not even
1: 40, 50 years ago. Is that? The <laughs> fact?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I I feel like. After this happened, after the revelation, which we know was just to save them money and whatever, um, they act as if the racism never existed. Have you noticed that? Or they'll, if it's brought up, they'll say it's just men speaking as men. But yeah, at, the, always, at, always. And at and, the time, they were s- supposedly speaking for God. So it's like, how do you know when they're speaking for God or just as a man? And if the racist words weren't from God... How do you know the others were from God and how do you explain the racist scriptures? Like, how and, does that fit? In? And none of it works. Like in, uh, why do you still say that these men are prophets when they said these horrible things? And like,
1: okay, guys, when they would explain that, because I would ask this question often growing up in the church because it just, especially in my teens, um i I just didn't understand it, and I it maybe I'm you know to be quite honest and uncomfortable and vulnerable, I will admit that I don't know if I had the best of intentions as in I wanted to understand because i I was very passionate about the cause and wanted equality. I would love to say that that's what it was, but I think a big part of it, unfortunately at the time was me just being defiant and logical and saying like, You know, if a prophet of God is always true and receives direct feedback and revelation from God and is never changing and God's doctrine is always consistent, then how could he change his mind in 1978? Right. Like, I just never understood (laughs) it. And I was always given the explanation from white bishops, of course. Um, or Sunday school teachers that, because again, I want to emphasize, I've never talked to a person of color in the Mormon church about these issues growing up. Like no one ever addressed these things to me except for white people. So again, just to emphasize the corruption and disgusting, like it's all whitewashed. Like no one knows what the fuck they're talking about or can relate in any way. It's just white people talking about (laughs) it. And (laughs) I was told that it was, um, because you know it was the time like during that time it was very hostile and you know like the church and and god knew that it wouldn't work if they like drastically made equality for for all races and like you know gave equality to black people like it would disrupt the whole society and so because god is so clever you know he had to like wait until the perfect time to make that change so that it would be smooth uh,
0: <laughs> okay it's like no god should have at least whispered to some of the early prophets like maybe maybe wait but don't say those horribly racist things that are gonna look real bad later like, that's exactly. yes good. and that wasn't even a good time 1978 like how about do it in 1958 or even hell 68 but she'll wait that much longer like no that god's not as clever as you're giving him credit for mormon people that's not
1: exactly and and did. and to, to find out that it's just because they were threatened to like they were going to lose a lot of money so yeah. that's the only reason why they did it
0: yeah oh Man, so I have a quote here from our from that gross man, Bruce R. McConkie, about he's a bullshit excuse about, <clears throat> like, why it changed. He says, there are statements in our literature by early brethren that we have interpreted to mean that the Negroes would not receive the priesthood immortality. I have said the same things and people write me letters and say, you said such and such. How is it now that we do such and such? All I can say is that it is time disbelieving people repented and got in line and believed a living modern prophet. Forget everything that I've said or what Brigham Young or George Q. Cannon or whoever has said in the past that is contrary to present revelation. We get our truth and light line upon line and precept upon precept. We have now added a new flood of intelligence and light on this particular subject and it erases all the views and the thoughts of the past. They don't matter anymore so what i have to say to that is like if nothing you say in the past matters then why the hell do we even need a prophet like why do we need you we don't need yeah, you yeah exactly and nothing like you can't say that nothing they say matters anymore because that's how the church was founded like if you can't believe what joseph smith or brigham young said anymore then that means the church just isn't true and exactly. it gets,
1: like full full stop yeah, full yeah yeah exactly Ugh also like, then yeah, you're, pretty- then you're admitting that like all of the doctrine is incorrect and you're also like the word of wisdom, all of the shit, yeah. like, all the guidelines,
0: all of that is out, then. relevant. Yeah. And how he he says in there like disbelieving people should just repent and get in line. Like, no. Also, he has zero apology. He's he admits that he said those things, but he doesn't apologize and he's still just a racist piece of shit. Yep. Um in 2006, um, the church president of the time, Gordon B. Hinckley, said, no man who makes disparaging remarks concerning those of another race can consider himself a true disciple of Christ, which I've been seeing shared all over social media lately, and it makes me oh, fucking insane. Um, but, like, by this standard, that just the same thing we said, but by this standard, any prophet who ever taught that a skin of blackness or whatever was... That they are not a true disciple of Christ. Like this would include Brigham Young, John Taylor, Joseph Fielding Smith, Spencer W. Kimball, blah 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 blah. Like it would include all those people. So like he's saying that they're not disciples of Christ, but yet you still should believe all the other stuff they said. Yeah. Ugh. I the gaslighting.
1: It's crazy. Listen, if we have Mormons or or people who are still in the Mormon church who are on the fence about leaving or not, or who are still very devout Mormons. If you've gotten to this point in our podcast episode and still (laughs) think that the church is okay, I'm going to suggest you see a therapist or you talk through that shit because there is no way you can do both at this point.
0: Yeah. And I, I'd like to point something out here. Something that I hear a lot Of the idea of doctrine versus policy you'll hear a lot like oh that was never official doctrine that was just policy but it's very clear that this is taught as doctrine it's still in the scriptures first of all um but it actually was doctrine I have in here that in 1947 the first presidency of the church issued an official statement that said from the days of the Prophet Joseph Smith even until now it has been the doctrine of the church, never questioned by church leaders, that the Negroes are not entitled to the full blessings of the gospel. It says clearly it's doctrine. So that if when people say it was just a policy, they're either misinformed or they're lying. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. yep. um, I have a good quote here from Mormon Think. It it says, shouldn't we expect more from God's prophets than to merely reflect the times in which they lived? Isn't God the same today, yesterday and forever? Why then should Mormon doctrine ever just reflect the times in which they lived? Those appointed to act as God's mouthpiece should especially be forward thinkers to reflect God's will for his true followers on earth. The LDS Church would have been far more progressive and likely would have allowed blacks to have the priesthood long before 1978, like other churches did if they were led by men not claiming to be prophets. Black men were not allowed to have the priesthood until social pressure became so great that Mormon leaders got a revelation and then it was suddenly okay. That's not ongoing revelation. We call that changing ter- church doctrine because of social pressure. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So. So... <laughs> um, I guess that leads us to sort of racism in the church today and posts that I've seen from Mormon people during this time where, like I mentioned, they've been sharing quotes from prophets and stuff. And I think that that's really harmful and enraging because it's like you're sharing this quote of this person who was who is was a racist and your church is racist. And I get maybe they're trying to say I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do when they share that, but it it enrages me.
1: It <laughs> me like, too. In fact, like I have a few quotes that I'll share too, but like Oh good. I it basically it was a really good cleaning out system. Oh, like filter. Sure. Like
0: Oh, sorry, I just burped on there. Bye, yeah. Um, Awkward. I'm um, so sorry. There's a person doing like yard work outside of the window in my neighbor's yard. So I'm so sorry. I hope it doesn't last long. But anyways, continue. <laughs> oh, I
1: can't hear anything.
0: So you're okay, good, good. Um, yeah, like I would see something and then I was like, oh,
1: now I'll unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. Like it was just such a like I've I i can not tell you how many people I've just completely unfollowed the past few days because I'm oh. like, nope. Nope, can't can't justify this shit anymore.
0: Oh yeah, same. Um I've I've seen so many members post things like only love defeats hate and we need to forgive and love one another and blah blah blah. Like they're completely dismissing the outrage of the black community and I I've just noticed that either they're totally silent on the issue and don't say anything or when they do say something it's in line with um or being worried about the property and not the lives or they are sharing some religious rhetoric that is I guess they're trying to say that they're not racist but when you look into it it's from a racist source so yeah yeah um let's see so On that note, I will share some, we got some good examples from a listener. She is black and she grew up in the church. So we could, I could read some of her experiences with racism in the church. Because of course you and I can't speak to that, but we can read hers if you're up for that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. So she writes, On my mission in California, a member straight up said that black people are cursed and that's why most of them are poor. Oh, God. I was dating a guy, a white guy at BYU until his mom told him to break up with me and read him the part in Mormon Doctrine about black people being less worthy in the pre-existence. Oh, my God. I had professors ask me for the black opinion in classes when talking about prison or inner cities. In a, It was straight up in a sociology class. <gasps> oh, boy. Um, in Philadelphia, I lived in the same complex as a married couple, and they were wearing BYU shirts. And I was like, oh, I went to BYU. And they said, what for? And I was like, um, for school. And they asked if I was a member. And I was active at this time, and I was in the YSA ward. And so I said, yes. And that's why I went to BYU. And they were like, oh, we just thought maybe you were an athlete or something. Oh, <gasps> fuck off. That is I, I can't. I can't. Yep. Um, People constantly assumed I was a convert and always would say, how did you find the church? Even though I was always a member. It's wow. that that idea that like you're white if you're like if you're born in the church, you're white. Um, I also dated a guy and met his parents and we were dating for a while and pretty serious mm-hmm. on the actual date his parents told me about another black guy that I would make a perfect couple with oh. since you guys come from similar backgrounds and inner city gang violence I grew up whoa. in Portland and she says I grew up in Portland and went to a private school
1: <laughs> whoa
0: Oh shit. Um yeah, and she says <laughs> It she makes me a- just wanna like find these people and punch <laughs> them all in the face. Oh I got a lot of compliments about not being like other black people or being surprisingly articulate or well spoken.
1: Oh off, that's just
0: um, yeah. It's it's crazy. And uh here's here's another one. <laughs> um Oh, man, I can't even when Trump was elected in 2016, Mormons were rabid about their support of him. I was talking to one of my friend's husbands and I said, I don't support Trump because in case you don't remember, I'm black. And then he was like, yeah, you were cool before you became obsessed with being black.
1: You guys, when I read this one, my jaw dropped. I I cannot believe that someone has the fucking audacity to say that. I know it's. It's mind blowing.
0: Yeah. So this is you guys like listen to black people and people of color when they tell you these experiences, because we've heard so many, like it's real. And when Mormons say they're not racist, it's not a racist church and whatever, that's just not true. Ask like any, if you listen to people, they'll tell you experiences, many experiences of racism that they've endured in the church. Um. I have another one from, this is from my friend, Tansy. Thanks for sharing this. She says, although both of my parents are still very religious and hold callings in the church, I have no idea how or why. Being in an interracial marriage and living in a very small racist community, they have told me multiple stories of getting letters in the mail that their children were not welcome in primary, that their marriage is a sin, and they would get death threats. I, of course, have also experienced many prejudices growing up in the church as well. So Oh man. Um, let me see what other ones I have here. Um, oh, I have a post that I wanted to read. Um, called "Signs You Might Be Passively Racist." <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> this is from Denisha Franklin. Okay. It says. Signs you might be passively racist. Number one, if you claim to mourn the murder of George Floyd while simultaneously showing more outrage for the loss of material things, then you are not an ally and you have failed to understand the significance of what is happening in the world right now. Why aren't you this openly outraged when white people riot for winning or losing a sporting event? Does it suck? Yes, but we will recover. Innocent people dying sucks more. Number two, If you are using Martin Luther King quotes to allude to the idea that he changed the world solely with peaceful protest, then you are excluding a major piece of history. And if you think that the civil rights movement was not met with violence, then you are delusional. Did you forget that he was assassinated? Number three, if you have found yourself using anything similar to the phrase violence never solved anything, then you must have conveniently forgotten the history and foundation that this country has been built on. When is the last time our military showed up in the Middle East to peacefully protest? If violence never solves anything, why are police officers inciting violence on peaceful protests across the nation? They were literally macing elected government officials yesterday. Number four, if you have ever made reference to hashtag Blue Lives Matter and or hashtag All Lives Matter, why did you only use this rhetoric when we say Black Lives Matter? We know that the lives of police officers matter because we've seen them protected and acquitted time and time again for murdering innocent black people. If you are angry because you feel like the quote, good cops are being targeted, why haven't you been equally angry when good black people are still being racially profiled and killed by those sworn to protect them? No innocent life deserves to be taken, but this is not a competition to see whose life matters more. Although if it was, I think that past and current actions have shown us a clear answer. Number five, if you were outright outraged that Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem in peaceful protest against police brutality. Why do you think peace, that peaceful protest is the answer now? Clearly that did not help. You all still did not get it. Hopefully you weren't one of the people rioting and burning your Nikes when they endorsed him afterwards. Number six, and lastly, if you've found yourself saying, I can't be silent anymore, please, please, please ask yourself why you've made the decision to ever be silent about the mistreatment or murder of an innocent person. Boom. Yeah. So I really liked that. Wanted to share that with you all. Um, <laughs> i sorry. It also
1: makes me think of um, my friend. Um, he shared a really good like quote that it just, I mean, it's been going around quite a bit, but I think it sums it up so well. It's like a really great analogy. Um, he posted something that was shared um, from someone on Twitter I guess I'll give her credit because I'm not sure who to give credit. Uh, I assume she's the original Nikki, the pony at Nikki, the pony to saying all lives matter as a response to black lives matter is like saying the fire department should spray down all the houses in a neighborhood, even though only one house is on fire because all houses matter. Yes. Your house matters too, but your house is not on fire. Mm, yep. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: beautiful. It's, True.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then just like other things that you guys, I, I've just taken a lot of screenshots during the week. And again, we want to emphasize that we're feeling all the feelings and sadness and grief and frustration and exhaustion. And we, Katie and I are white people who aren't dealing with this on a daily. So I cannot even imagine the amount of exhaustion and stress and grievance and disappointment and anger that people of color and black people are experiencing right now. And I'm so sorry for people who are um, going through this. And I don't mean to belittle it by saying, oh, I'm so exhausted from dealing with this when I can't relate to this on any level. I just know that it's exhausting for us, for two white women to, to, read these things and experience it and I cannot even imagine and I will never be able to I will never be able to understand and imagine the the level of intensity and exhaustion and just an emotional roller coaster right now that black people are going through at the moment um and always right (laughs) and always and always 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 um But there was one that was so we we will get to more. I don't want to say positive, but resources that ways that you can help, which I think for me at this point, when you do feel so helpless and you feel like, what can I do? Well, there is stuff that you can do. Um, We'll get to that at the end. Um, But yeah, just speaking with Mormons posting shit that's just left me speechless. But I don't know if you even saw this one, too, where the guy in Salt Lake city had a bow and arrow and was like yeah. aiming his bow. And, and then they, I, I saw a post the other day that shows a picture of this guy and he's in temple garments. He's giving an interview in temple garments. What? Drop that there.
0: Whoa. I haven't seen that. Wow. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Then there's another one that I this this is the shit that I'm talking about that makes my blood boil. When I see these Mormons who are posting about Black Lives Matter and how much they want to change, you know, the society and American culture and like the, the brutality and everything. And, you know, they're talking about how passionate they are about it. And then the next Instagram story they post or the next just Post that they make on Instagram is a quote from like Russell M. Nelson Mm -hmm. or another prophet of God. And I'm just like, no, this is the problem. This is the problem here in the Mormon doctrine is that you say you want to be an ally, you want to make a change, you want to be supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement, that you want to be active and proactive in this, but then you believe in this church and you are. Showing a quote from a prophet and making it sound like the Mormon Church is like anti-racist when it's not. It's just a bunch of bullshit and lies.
0: So and you know Russell uh, M. Nelson was alive and part of the leadership before 1978. So let's just remember he was he was part of the oppression and the problem him personally. So when you're sharing that quote, it's like, do you? You don't understand what you're sharing, or I mean, maybe they just don't get it. But it's like, take a step back and look. Look at the leaders of your church. They're all white. Everything's white. Even celestial Jesus is white. Yeah, exactly. In the temple, everything's white, and then you're sharing that when you're yeah. trying to be anti-racist. That doesn't work. Sorry. Mm-mm. Exactly. So
1: this this white. Mormon girl posted about, you know, she did the blackout Tuesday, and then the very next one is, oh, she took a screenshot of what Russell M. Nelson wrote, who <laughs> had about sixty, so wait, seventy six thousand likes. So let's keep mm-hmm. that in mind on this quote. Didn't even know prophets were on Instagram. <laughs> who knew? um <laughs> He says, we join with many throughout this nation and around the world who are deeply saddened at recent evidences of racism. Recent.
0: Oh, yeah. Recent it's just, evidences it's of racism.
1: Yeah. Okay. And a blatant disregard for human life. We abhor the reality that some would deny others respect and the most basic of freedoms because of the color of his or her skin. Do you? Because, you know, just like 40, 50 years ago, you were saying some pretty awful shit about people who have a different skin color.
0: Read your scriptures. It says that people with brown skin are wicked. How about that? Exactly.
1: Then he yeah. goes on to say, we are also saddened when these assaults on human dignity lead to escalating violence and unrest. So, again, I saw this, dismissing I saw protesting the- and rioting there.
0: Yeah. Okay. I saw this that this quote too and it made me think that he says that um he's saddened by like that where he he didn't say like he's saddened like you know they're putting that higher than the loss of human life exactly yeah
1: yep and then his last one is the creator the creator of us all calls on each of us to abandon attitudes of prejudice against any group of god's children any of us who has prejudice. Prejudice toward another race needs to repent.
0: It's that's just so hypocritical. I can't. Yeah. I can't. with it. What about the prejudice towards the LGBTQ community? Cause they can't get married in your temple and you think that what their life is a sin. That's prejudice. Yeah. How about that? Exactly. Mm.
1: And you guys, here's another one. Buckle up. This is another one that's going to make you want to barf. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> so I just had to unfollow this person because I saw it on their Facebook and I was just like, I, are you fucking kidding me right now? So I have response,
0: so many people.
1: <laughs> I do too. I was just like, I can't No, No, uh, I'm all about having a productive conversation and dialogue where we don't have to have the same opinion, but this isn't about having the same opinion. This is about having respect for human beings. And yeah. I cannot, I cannot anymore justify this. Like, I just can't, I can't. Um, So she, this person, this white Mormon girl posted a different one. She posted President Ezra Taft Benson said, yeah, we are commanded by God to take this gospel to all the world. That is the cause that must unite us today. Only the gospel will save the world from the calamity of its own self-destruction. Only the gospel will unite men. And in brackets, because they had to add this shit in later, and women of all races and nationalities in peace. Only the gospel will bring joy, happiness, and salvation to the human family.
0: How shitty can you be to share that? Only the gospel will bring these, um, no, the, the, your, your gospel has perpetuated hate. Exactly. Also, Ezra Taft Benson was super racist.
1: Like, like, he opposed, like, the civil rights
0: movement. Yeah. Ugh. Yep, that's
1: just a handful of the ones I'm not even gonna go like I, I, I didn't even have the energy to like screenshot some of these other ones because I was just like barf unfollow I can't unfollow like it's horrendous
0: for white people listening I would encourage you like if you have the mental you know Uh, strength (laughs) I would encourage you to challenge the people that post these things if you if you can like especially if they're like your Mormon family or friends and if they're posting these things I would encourage you to like you can gently call them out but I feel like it's time to say something um or if you know I know a lot of times for mental health reasons you just need to delete but um I've personally been trying to call out like family members that are saying these things and even if their response is like I don't know I just feel it and I believe it and blah 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 and I have the right to believe it I'm like fine whatever but at least I said something so if you can find it in you maybe challenge it or yeah just remove them if you feel like the conversation won't be productive
1: exactly no Katie you're totally right I mean this is This is the time more than ever to get out of your comfort zone and if it's making you uncomfortable, then it's probably even more important that you do something. And I've kind of used that as a measure when I'm doing stuff like I feel uncomfortable. Is this uncomfortableness because this is this discomfort because I'm just scared of the reactions of others, of other white people who might, you know, family members or friends who might be disappointed by me saying something and if that's the case then you know what fuck it like it's not worth it yeah and as in it's not worth that type of thought process it's definitely worth saying something right right and taking that burden as we mentioned before it shouldn't you know black the black community shouldn't have all the burden of educating white people on this issue like we obviously can step up and and help fight the battle and when we see these comments as a white person we can step in and say hey we're not speaking on or behalf of black people but we want to help them and you know instead of talking shit out your ass how about actually reading some resources and having empathy and you know educating yourself donating doing the things that you can and not just saying really offensive dismissive and disgusting comments like that where you have no idea. You can't ever relate and you can't ever understand. And, um, yeah, yeah just perfectly just said, kind of educate yourself. like Yeah. 100%. Ugh, and don't expect people to do it for you, you know? And, and I say that as, as a guilty white person of, of doing that, yeah. you know, years ago of saying like, Oh, I want to help, but how can I, so let me reach out to my black friend and ask for help. That's not the way you guys, they, the black community has so much shit going on right now that they're dealing with and just do it yourself, research, do your part, try to do everything you can to make their lives as easy as possible at this moment, which is not going to happen, but just to share some of the burden and help them in any way. If you have, you know, close black friends or even friends who aren't close and you just want to help them, like reach out to them. You know, I, I had one of those moments of, discomfort um one of my um black friends in the states posted a very reasonable and justified post to her white friends who she was angry you know no none of them had even reached out hadn't you know just checked on her to see how she's doing and she was like at this point it's too late you know like it's it's too late and and at first I felt like well you know, I started to defend my actions. I'm like, well, I didn't know if it was appropriate. And I just had to stop and say, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I am trying to justify it. At the end of the day, just listen. Listen yeah. to what is being said. Take it to heart and make a change. You know, when I saw that message, it was too late to reach out to her. And I wanted to respect her, her wishes of not reaching out because at that point it was too late. But I took that advice and I applied it to other friends I have who are Black people And I'm close to and and I did it in a way that just to say, I'm here, I hear you, I support you, let me know if there's anything I can do. But that's it. You know, just common empathy and and support and compassion like that goes a long way. And I feel like right now, if there's anything as white privileged people we can do, it's to do our part and, and make it a bit just a tiny bit easier for the black community in any way possible and if that's you know educating ourselves, reading as much as we can sources that will help educate us will help keep us informed and donating you know if you can't go on the front lines and protest with others in this cause then donate you know or do both um for several people that's you might feel helpless especially with the coronavirus situation that's also happening simultaneously like Donate, you know, do your part. Use social media, your platform as a way to spread this knowledge, to help support. Uh, Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be that you make this drastic change where you're only posting about, you know, Black Lives Matter and and content that's relevant. If you can, great. But it's also okay if you post one other thing that's random, but you still have a focus of your content that is on what's relevant. You know, like you don't have to make these extreme changes and make, make you feel overwhelmed. I know people with mental health issues, like it might feel overwhelming to do that. So just take it step by step by step. But the point is, is do something. Make a change.
0: There's a thing. There's a really good Google doc. If you just Google it, it's literally just anti-racism resources for white people um it has a whole bunch of things you can do where you can uh donate and who you like even simple things like follow certain uh black activists or people of color on certain uh, social media like start there and share their content um there's also things in that google doc of books to read movies and tv shows to watch just where to donate all kinds of things um And I'd say another reason you can, or another way you can help is by supporting Black-owned businesses, restaurants, authors, creators, all that kind of thing. Share their content. Share things that that you've got, that that you hear from Black people. Share their posts um, and do your part to help and don't be part of the burden, you know. And
1: for fuck's sake,
0: listen. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a huge huge one like just
1: listen like if if you see something or you hear something from the black community or a black friend or whoever just fucking listen before you jump to justifying yourself or your actions or your intentions just listen and I'm saying that Not just to everyone who's listening, but as a constant reminder to myself, because sometimes we get on our high horse and think, but, 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 I had the best of intentions. Well, it doesn't matter. Just listen, take it to heart, and apply it. Okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And Um, um, I don't know if you have anything else on this part, but I was just going to read some of the places to donate.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I literally just had it up. So go ahead. That was what I had
1: yeah. Um so Katie and I we we talked about it before this episode and we also decided that so first of all, a big shout out to our patrons as always and for your support to us to, you know, help run this platform and for helping us with the podcast and keeping it running and going. We love you guys and we're so grateful for your support. Mm-hmm. Thank we you. wanna give you, you. Mm-hmm. an additional shout out this month because Katie and I are gonna take some of the proceedings that we've we've received is that right proceedings that's not the right word
0: um oh no now my brain is all in a jumble some of our proceeds proceeds Proceeds, not
1: proceedings (laughs) but proceeds um yeah we want to do at least half um of our proceeds from patreon to donate to one of these organizations and so that essentially is from the patrons so thank you thank you money that you have donated to us for this platform for this podcast we are going to turn that and donate that to one of the organizations we haven't decided on which one yet but definitely it'll be um, an organization that's helping fight this cause and will be beneficial Um, so thank you guys uh, a lot and we just want to make sure that the credit is being passed to really it's our patrons who are doing that, um, on behalf of not so Molly Morbid podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. um,
1: Yeah. Thank you you guys so much on a personal note. Katie and I have both made, um, donations to separate organizations, um, that we found uh, we have the same list and I think it's been shared multiple times Mm -hmm. on social media. We can share it again. It's been really helpful. Um, again, if you're not financially able to donate, that's fine. Don't, don't stress yourself out about it. Just do your part in other ways. Okay. Um, any way that you can do it, but if you can donate, even if it's $5, $10, it, it goes a long way for this situation for this fight and for this cause. So
0: yeah. yes, 100%.
1: Um, yeah, so we can reshare this on our story, but some, Uh, Fund racial justice uh, where to donate in the first one is George Floyd Memorial Fund. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have an official GoFundMe that supports the family, the Floyd family. And it is GoFundMe.com forward slash F forward slash George Floyd. So you can donate there. Um, The second one is Minnesota Freedom Fund. This is a community-based nonprofit that pays criminal bail and immigration bonds for individuals who have been arrested while protesting police brutality. And for this one, if you just type in Minnesota Freedom Fund, it is the first one that pops up, I believe. I I did this one two days ago. And Mm -hmm. it has a very easy, like, donate button. So you can just click there. Very simple. Um, but it's also interesting. I would suggest like take the time to read some of the background information. Um, it's it's very insightful and, and informative. So yeah. And uh, the third one is Black Visions Collective,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is also an amazing organization. Um, I was reading this website. It's um, again very simple to donate. It has a donate button. Very easy, quick. Um, no hassle, and they send an email right away and it's just and you can also read the about section it's It's really powerful, so it's a black trans and queer led organization that is committed to dismantling systems of oppression and violence and shifting the public narrative to create transformative long term change Mhm. um the fourth one is reclaim the block. I have to admit, I haven't checked this one out um I will do, though. It's a coalition that advocates for and invest in community-led safety initiatives in Minneapolis neighborhoods. hmm um, And the fifth one is Campaign Zero. It's an online platform and organization that utilizes research-based policy solutions to end police brutality in America, which, again, I, I need to check that one out. I haven't checked out the last three, but Katie, I don't know if you have. but um,
0: Yeah, yeah um it's also really easy yeah all of these that I've checked out it's like very intuitive it's just a donate now kind of button yeah
1: it's super easy you know there are some websites where like you you go there with the best of intentions then you're just like oh my god this is too complicated fuck it I can't (laughs) these are not that you guys it's very very simple um and then the last one is Unicorn Riot. It's a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to exposing root causes of dynamic social and environmental issues. Um, again, these are just top six that are going around on social media, but I am sure if you Google or do some more research, there are plenty others that will pop up. And again, if you just have, you know, $5, whatever you have, um, please donate it's it's worthwhile yeah. and if we you can't have, um find other ways to be yeah. active in this
0: we have uh, a listener sent us another one uh, another way to donate if you wish to the national bail fund network it's the um if you just go to communityjusticeexchange.org and that goes to help bail out uh you know peaceful protesters so that's also an option
1: and I would I would challenge as well, and this is as much saying to you guys as it was for me, when you go, if if you're able to donate and you do go donate, really think about why you're doing it and what you want to come from making this step forward, taking this step forward, and not just like, okay, whew, I donated 5 $10, I'm good now. I don't have to do it anymore. Or I don't have to. I did my part. I checked it off. I, as a white woman, got it, through some money at the situation. I'm good to go. Make sure to check yourself. Um, and that's not the mentality you're going in at it with. It's more of the mentality that you want to support. You want to do something. Here's one way of doing it. But there are several other ways of helping.
0: Yeah, right. Very yeah. good point. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I think for now we can wrap it up but yes. and
1: stay so. tuned for second part of this episode which is going to be a thousand times better and more informative than us yeah. two white women chatting um <laughs> we I have a listener who is a person of color who's going to speak and it, it'll be amazing i unfortunately probably won't be able to join this just because of the time difference so i'm so sorry guys it's not but I don't want to. I promise I do. and I'm very passionate about this cause, but Katie is an angel and has coordinated um, with this listener to make this happen. So,
0: yeah we might... <laughs> oh no I just realized that um this has gone for over an hour and a half so I actually might um release the recording uh the, the interview with her as just a separate all its own piece depending on how long it goes so we'll see listeners just keep your eye out and that'll be either at the end here or uh just coming up right after so anyways that's all. <laughs> Sounds
1: great. Either way, be on the lookout. It, it'll it be great. And also, we've received other emails. Um, I know we've had a special episode discussing um, the racism inside the church that goes even beyond the Black community. It's also Native Americans, Indigenous. And we received a really powerful article written by one of our listeners that we will cover Um, Mm -hmm. in a separate episode, but um, just to make sure that, you know, listeners know that their emails haven't been forgotten, and the resources that they sent weren't overlooked. They're very powerful, and we will um, get to those as well.
0: For sure, for sure. Thank you all for listening, and um, again, Sarah and I hope that our intentions came across as we wanted them to and feel free to correct anything we said at any time but um we love oh, you well, all. or that too yeah whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> um but everyone stay safe out there and please help each other and be kind to one another and um be yeah just be good be safe be
1: good be safe be decent human beings, you guys. I think at this point it's it's a low bar, you know? Just <laughs> it's sure true. Just be decent, you know, yeah. and especially if you're white, do your fucking part, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do All bad. Right. So we'll we you love later. you guys. Bye. Bye.